Yo, ugly. <laughs> My guy, John, what's happening? What's up? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, it's Sunday. My bad on the on the delay. You gotta forgive me for that. No, I'm Sorry, good. Bro. Yeah, no, you're good. I know how busy the city gets sometimes. Yeah, I just um, <clears throat> I had to make a quick move to to like downtown Brooklyn because um. I'm also, I'm looking I'm about to move out so I had to pick up the shower sliding doors that I bought yesterday. Uh-huh. So I had to do that and then drop them off and I was waiting for one of my boys to help me pick it up cuz it was you know it's it's like 100 like I think 140 pounds and it, it's pretty heavy. Maybe Man, you got to get back in the gym. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Um but yeah, so Sorry, my bad on the delay. Anyone who's listening to this or who will listen after this, I was supposed to meet John uh 3.30. As you can see, it's pushing 5 o'clock, so <clears throat> that's on me. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's show, I have Keenan Williams. Keenan is a buddy of mine that uh, I had the pleasure of getting to know and meet while I was at Hobart and William Smith. Keenan played basketball at Hobart. Um, I played lacrosse, so, you know, just being in uh, – sports and always running into each other whether it was the gym or the athletic complex or anything like that so and you know over the years we stayed in touch Keenan my guy how we doing I'm good I'm good thank you for having me on the podcast you know I see you doing your thing um yeah like I just want to mention that you know before we get started that your hairline is probably top five worst hairlines I've ever seen so (laughs) I, I gotta let all your fans know off rip of how I feel I haven't seen it in a while, so I only imagine it's gotten worse. But uh, I need to make sure I get that off my chest, bro. You know this thing is fly. It ain't there. Ain't nothing wrong with this hair. Uh, somebody lied to you ten times over. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I mean, you got you. Speaking of hairlines, you know you got the Stephen A. Smith hairline. So, yeah, but I mean, to my to my point or to my credit, it's been like that since I was like you know in high school when everyone gave me, you know, shit about it and said, hey, by the time you get to high school, it's going to be gone. By the time you leave college, it's going to be gone. So I'm four years out, roughly four years out, and um, it's not gone. So I'm going to continue to hold on to what I got, you know. God is looking over me, looking out for me. <laughs> yeah, same here. I told I told Mark I was recording with you, and he was just like, bro, you got to let me know when that drops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which speaking of ugly people, he's top five ugly too. Yeah, absolutely. Mark already Mark already knows. Like, I mean, there's no questions asked. Um, I, I'm honestly speechless. I don't know if you saw when I was, you know, back to my roasting days back in the day. You know, I had him. I think I had him like a his twin lookalike. Those little roaches from Men in Black. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know those little skinny, you know, those little skinny roaches. That's Mark. He like a little roach back in the day. So, uh, but let, let me stop roasting. Let me stop roasting Mark. He's not here to defend himself. <laughs> no, I know. I gotta get. Um, we'll have a. We'll definitely get an episode in the future where it's uh, you, him. We'll get Frank on. We'll get a couple of the boys on, and it'll just be a giant shit show. Gotcha, gotcha. So you know, current. You know, we'll we'll bring it back to like you know, kind of how we met. So we met when um we were at Hobart. I was playing lacrosse. You were playing basketball. Um, mm-hmm. with you playing basketball, D three basketball was Division three the only route that you were looking at, or were you looking at other schools, or like kind of like what led you to going to Hobart? Um, not too many people know this, uh, but. 
after, you know, leaving South Kent, um, I just wanted to just go to school and just chill. Honestly, party, join, join a fraternity, and just, honestly, that's what I wanted to do for four years. You know, top choices, Syracuse was in the back of my mind. <clears throat> uh, Lynn University, right down there in Boca Raton. I have family that live out there, so um, I was going to be able to stay with them. Um those are my two options. You know, I had I had nothing about Hobart, didn't even think about it, it wasn't on my radar. And then um fun fact, my sister Amber, you know, she also went to Hobart and William Smith. Yep. Uh she 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 mentioned the school and I was like, Oh, it's all right. And then my head coach, he's the one that said, Oh, I know the coach there, you know, we can talk to him and see because this was like the end of February, right? So honestly, mm-hmm. recruiting is basically over and I just I wasn't really interested. I had one guy from Brooklyn. I forget what school is so long ago. Some school in Brooklyn that wanted me to come play. But that was honestly, that was it. I wasn't really big on playing college basketball, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. And that's so then, so in terms of options, not really. Um, maybe I wasn't just good enough, but I also wasn't really interested. To, so, so that was that. And then one thing led to another, got accepted. And then, yeah, and then the rest is history. So. Um, that was pretty much how I ended up going to Hobart. It wasn't like a, I'm excited, yay. It was more of like, okay. My mom really was like, yeah, you're not going to a big school. You need small, you need a small environment. What if you want to talk to the teachers and you have questions? I was like, sure, mom. That is the reason why you want to go to a small school. <laughs> um, no, I know. I remember when I met your mom. She was very like... Yeah. Make sure you're getting your work done. No bullshit. Yeah. Still to this day, doesn't change. I know, but that's how it is when you got a good mom. So, yeah. what um, you know, you being from Brooklyn, New York, and being in that uh, you know, urban city vibe and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. what? Just because, like, for people that don't know, Hobart's kind of like in the middle of nowhere. Like, I mean, it's yeah. on the Seneca <laughs> Lake, but it's like in the middle of nowhere, basically. Um, yeah. and being a small town, small college, stuff like that um did you end up staying because I know there's a lot of kids I mean we both know this there's a lot of kids that transfer out of Hobart um just because like multitude of reasons whether they they want a bigger they want a bigger school they want to be in a bigger city they you know they want (coughs) the atmosphere or just whatever like for me personally like I just didn't fuck with the school like I was just like I got the fuck out of here this place is not me Um, yeah I got you you did I mean you were playing basketball but did you ever was there anything that ever crossed your mind of like all right you know it's cool and all. I'm not going to the league. Maybe I'll transfer to a bigger school, party, meet new people, network more and shit like that. Or were you just like, I'm here because I'm staying here? Um, That's actually a good question. Uh, So, yeah, I stayed all four years. Um, And I just felt like, you know, the new classes that came in each year brought like a different vibe to the school. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually, you know, bonded you know very well with the underclassmen when I was a senior too so I was cool with the freshmen so literally everyone that graduated um I think 2020 was the last class that I went to school with but then it's funny because I'm actually I actually know a couple people that just graduated in 2021 only because if they came on like on a recruitment visit or if I visited the school a couple years for alumni weekend and met people there um then so from that perspective it's just I never really thought about leaving. Um, it's, it's crazy as that sounds. I know people do come and go for various reasons, but for me personally, um, I just vibed with everyone. You know, it didn't feel like it was too small in a sense because um, I did befriend a lot of people. 
So if I mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, hang out with, you know, some frat boys one day, it is what it is, you know, hang out with different types of people. I can just, you know, I, I think I was able to, to do so. And, you know, I didn't really feel like I was trapped. Um, sometimes, not going to lie, you know, in terms of the social atmosphere, it, it did kind of get redundant. You know, I'm not going to, you know, sit here and say every weekend was a lit weekend because I would be lying to you if I told you that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, you know, in terms of the people that I was with, it just... I just always had fun and I just made the best of it. Um, one thing I would say is probably going to, you know, Syracuse more often. I did go out a couple of times, but it was like, you know, over break. It wasn't like me leaving to go for the weekend. It was like, okay, we go to Syracuse and you, my God, the woman there. I, I, kid you <laughs> not, I, 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 I probably was in like, you know, baby heaven. It was something crazy. Um, and it was just crazy. Just like even going to the Syracuse game over winter break when there was like no one there and then, those those girls there, I kid you not, bro. It's unbelievable. Um, that's but other than the girls, I would feel like the education was solid. You know, I got to meet all my professors, and like I know all my professors well, so I th- I thought that was a positive. Um, and then just playing basketball just came a part of it. Like I knew I wasn't going to the league even after I left high school, so it wasn't anything like I'm gonna you know try to aspire to be some you know some NBA player. But one thing about basketball that it taught me, you know. Definitely uh, multi- how to multitask, um, how to, you know, pay attention to detail and just work-life balance. You know, as you know, as an athlete, um, you have practice, lift, film session, all these things, you're on the road, all that plays into it. You're not just going to class because you have another life that you need to attend to now. You don't, you're not, you're not forced to play sports, obviously. So I think when you choose to do it and then you are able to balance, that just shows the maturity um, of young adults because it prepares you for the real world. So that's one of the things that I took back from it. And the, just the close niche, you know, if you say you go to Hobart and like someone else says they go, they went there, it's like, wow, like you guys are probably or most likely have, you know, mutual friends versus if someone says they went to Syracuse, like, oh, okay, that's like 10,000 people. So it doesn't really ring a bell like how it would, especially if you, if someone else said they went to Hobart as well, you know? No, absolutely. And and what you were saying about the, like the the skills that you learn from playing a sport, like let's get into that because I've had a couple people on the podcast before and um, that have played sports and stuff like that. And one thing that I've always brought up to them was because I've heard it before and then like when I've kind of like internalized it and thought about it and how it can apply to life is that sports for those like us that have played and have played at the collegiate level, that sports is the biggest metaphor for life in the mm-hmm. aspect of when you're playing at the collegiate level or any, I would say any level outside of high school, because high school, it's, I don't, I don't feel as though it applies as much. Um, mm-hmm. But when you get to college, everyone can play. Everyone's mm-hmm. good. So mm-hmm. like you said, the attention to details, um, being able to manage your school schedule, your social life schedule, and then also being able to find that time to put in the extra work or if your body's hurting, get the treatment that you need and stuff like that. So in a way, it is training you to be able to work under pressure, work under uh, timelines, that be able to attend the deadlines and stuff like that. And then as you get into the real world, you notice how that's kind of like how the work-life balance is in the real world. So do you think that playing sports um, in a way trains you to become successful in the real world versus not playing sports? How how would you think that someone that doesn't play sports is able to figure those things out? 
Um, <clears throat> that's that's a very good question. So to answer it head on, I, I say yes. Um, the adversity you go through, uh, goal-oriented, because, you know, I mean, unless you're there for selfish reasons, but I think, you know, it's safe to assume that many people that play sports want to win a championship. So you're playing with different people who may think differently than you from you, but you are both you both want to do what? Win a championship. So that's like the goal-oriented aspect of it. And then adversity. You know, everyone comes from high school, whether they played a lot, they didn't. But if you don't play a lot, that can be something that can, you know, put you down. You know, you're just like, okay, am I good enough? You second-guess yourself. And then it just kind of just spills over into, like, the other facets of college, like your social life. You may not want to go out because you're not playing as much. You may not be paying attention in class or want to go to class because you're not playing as much. Whatever it is, your coach is being hard on you. Whatever it is, I feel like those aspects can definitely prepare you for the real world. And I'm going to use a prime example because I didn't really play a lot. Matter of fact, I barely even played. And to that, it didn't stop me from working hard. And even though I didn't get to play as much, it, that's just the, that's just how it went. And I, I to this day, is not because I don't think I was good enough. I think it's because my, I think my coach hinted at the fact of my height. But it is what it is. That's something that, you know, God made me this way. And that's out of my control. So I had to, you know, figure it out. And I did see the court at times, but not as much. But, hey, it is what it is. And the reason why I say it relates to the world, the real world is because I remember my first time, you know, reaching out for a promotion. And I didn't get it. Now, I can blame it due to politics or the company, whatever. But I knew for a fact I was ready for the next step, the next level, and I didn't get it. But because I can default on my experiences of not playing, I was able to handle it. I didn't pout. I didn't moan. I said, you know what? Take it with a grain of salt. Continue to get better. And when you get the opportunity again, take advantage of it. So that's one direct experience I can say it correlates or just relates to my own professional life experience. And then <clears throat> shortly a year and a half later, I decided to get, I decided to, you know, go out, go for a promotion and I got it in my first shot. You know, I want to say, you know, me being a manager at this age, um, I want to say based on, you know, historically speaking that it's impressive. And I don't, I'm definitely humble because I know this is, I'm not complacent and I'm not comfortable with this. I want to continue to, to, to climb up the corporate ladder, but sports definitely aspect to how I handle things and but before I continue to go I also want to shout out <clears throat> the cultural club I was also part of so I wasn't just you know playing sports I was also part of a Caribbean Students Association you know known for CSA and basically even with that I can say it also has helped me grow as a person um, because you're also working on how to create events you're putting you're looking to get people to come to your event and all the brainstorms and the creativity working with different types of people that in itself was also something that an experience that I'm able to to bring to the to the workforce. So sports and being a part of CSA, I think those are the two things that you know has definitely laid the foundation to for where I'm at today. Absolutely, and with <clears throat> that being said, like Hobart, like one of the other things I wanted to bring up because when I transferred to Mercyhurst, and no knock against Mercyhurst. You know how um, intense, like, the networking and career service center is at Hobart. Um, mm -hmm. When I got to Mercyhurst, that just wasn't the case. Like, they weren't they, they weren't pushing you as much as Hobart was, and they weren't doing all these different, like, I don't even remember what it was. Whatever that room is, that is, the Stan is it the Sanford room or Stanford room that's, like, right by the yeah, library? Yeah, 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 how yeah. How they always, how they always had, um, you know, people, like, people from big companies like ABC, ESPN, mm -hmm. or just, like, all these other things coming in. Um, and stuff like that and kind of getting engaged and trying to push you and 
stuff like that. I always kind of looked at college after I left Hobart as nothing more than, and I know this is going to sound a little crazy to some, but it's really nothing more in my opinion than a social club and a networking mm-hmm. club. And I know you laugh, but so was that something that you ever, and I'm not saying that I like, it's a, it's a fact. I'm just telling you what my opinion on the matter is. Um, mm-hmm. has, is that something that you've ever thought about? And with, thinking about it that way has it ever you know being in a city like New York has it ever made you want to reach out to people to be like hey if I add you to my network it might open more doors for me in the future or anything like that has that ever been a thought with you like you mean in terms of like saying like like telling people I went to Hobart like no I meant I meant from the aspect of like um how do I want to better ask this? Cause I think I asked it in a confusing way is you saw, you saw the, the network that Hobart has with like the yes. connections and everything. Correct. Right. Yes. So I always, I always like would say like with my friends that if, you know, say if you were, you were dating Obama's daughter, hypothetically, mm-hmm. you're, you're dating Obama's daughter. And then it's between you want it's like, if you want to work in the white house, it's either you or some kid that is has a, a four zero at Harvard, but you're you're dating Obama's daughter, and Obama's the president. Who mm. more likely than not is going to get that opportunity to work in the White House? Probably you, right? Oh, for sure, the boyfriend, of course. Yes, of course. So with that being said, and then obviously, and maybe it's because I went to two different schools and I saw the difference between the two. Um, mm. Has that has the idea of being like, okay, I'm in New York City. There's a lot of people that are here that are doing big things and and you know maybe i'm aspiring to be in a certain position has it ever thought the idea thought to you that like hey i you know starting that conversation with that person and and you know by building a relationship first versus using my resume to get myself in the door using building a relationship to get in the door to help me in my career and stuff if that makes sense i see what you're saying yeah i see what you're saying um well because it's so many people and, you know, the city could be a grimy place. You know, some people just look at you and say, like, like you know, may not give you the time of day. And mm-hmm. that's just the way it is sometimes. So I think, you know, having some sense of commonality that you can use to use as an icebreaker to, to, to just get your foot in the door. A lot of people that I know, you know, because they went to Hobart and there's an alum that was able to, you know, give them an interview and put in a good word for them. And now they're employed. So... Yeah, to your point out to your point about it being a social networking it is basically i mean because think about it like i've studied you know political science and international relations and i'm working in media investment right i'm in the media industry mm-hmm. and i wouldn't say my classes would directly you know helped me get this position because it's it, that's just not what i studied and even if you did a media and society major the, the job function is so specific like you would actually have to have been an intern to mm-hmm. learn the function of the job or once you, you know, get hired, because let's say you did study, you know, marketing or did study some type of media, they liked your resume and maybe because you even, there's someone referred you. Uh, with Group M, it's a large, you know, family and I'd say refer, referrals definitely go a long way. Like, I'm pretty sure like any other company, but I would say in terms of the networking, it's the, uh, I would say that over, I mean, sometimes again, merit to your point, because you said the 4OG, the 4O GPA that went to Harvard, right? You're, you're basically like hinting at the fact that that's merit versus just someone who, you know, who knows someone, you know, mm-hmm. networking. Um, so with that, I would say it's 
more networking, in my opinion. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I decided to even go back to school and get an MBA. Um, and I'm at Fordham, which brings, you know, it, it turns heads in the city. You know, Hobart definitely turns heads only when you're speaking to other alums. Um, but in Ford, in the city, when you go to Fordham, it's like, you know, a pretty big deal. And I, was, I didn't even know that when I applied, which is the funny part. You know, I only applied because my mom was like, you should apply. It's close to your job. Like, that's how she, like, told it to me. It wasn't like, yo, Fordham's a good school. You should do that. It was like, no, it's like right there. It's right nearby. And then only after I figured out, like, when I told people I applied to Fordham, I was like, oh, that's a really good school. And I was like, really? So I started doing research. And, you know, it's, you know, it's renowned in the city. So you didn't um, know that? No, I kid you not. Because, again, like, one and the one thing when you did say I grew, I grew up in Brooklyn, but you got to understand, like, I also left, like, age 14 to go to, like, boarding school. So like I didn't oh, really I didn't even know that. Oh yeah, so I was at yeah well South Kenton. I mean that's in Connecticut, right? So that's three mm-hmm. that's three years, and then I went to a smaller school called Hillside in like in like um in Marlboro, Massachusetts before South Kenton, like ninth grade, eighth grade. So like I was gone like at fourteen. So I didn't really like go out in the city like that and all that. I was and then when I was and when I was home, I was just always in Brooklyn. Like, I never even went to Manhattan because back then like the days of, of fake or whatever was not something that i even thought of um mm. but yeah so that's why you know it i didn't even know about fordham so so yeah so that's one of the reasons because people are saying Keen, like you don't need it for your job and like, i mean they're probably right but i think this is an investment people want to invest in Robinhood and all these other things but i'm investing in myself you know i believe that this education is definitely correlates to what i'm doing now it's it's gonna be you know definitely gonna give me a good return on my investment and it's gonna be used in the future and I think it's gonna be advantageous and uh, that's that's that. What are you um What are you trying to do with media? Um. So with me, uh, so I'm a manager at MediaCom, right? It's part of the Group M family and essentially with as a media agency, um, I'm in the video investment department. So. Basically, what that is, once we've secured like a client, so the client that I work on is Dell. Um, everyone knows what Dell is. It's a laptop. If anyone doesn't know what it is, you know you can't you can't assume nowadays. But um, <laughs> so I'm serious. Uh, no, I know. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically, we take the we take the client's you know budget, like whatever how much however money they want to spend in a certain quarter or multi quarter, whatever it is. And we make recommendations to what networks they should buy. Um, we have the target demographics, you know, so depending on the Dell brand, because Dell has a whole bunch of brands. And basically, depending on that, it's my job to say, okay, it makes sense to buy, for instance, ESPN. But right now, we actually did buy, you know, the playoffs. So if you see a Dell commercial, that's that's your boy. That's, that's me right there, uh, basically negotiating to get their ads on TV. So that's what we do. We got do. a cameo? And, no. No, we don't. No, uh, <laughs> no, we don't. Sorry, bro. Uh, but, but basically, if you're watching the, uh, well, hey, how about this sneak, sneak? This is this is not known to the general public, but I'm gonna tell you because you're my boy. NBA game one on ABC, you're gonna see a Dell commercial. Tune in, tune into that game. Game one. I said it first here. You heard it right here. You heard it first. You heard it first in the All Things Red podcast. Game one, NBA Finals, or is it Game Four? One of them, <laughs> one of the two. You you, uh, you don't even know. <laughs> no, it's, I know it's definitely within the first. It's Game One or Game Four. It's one of those two. Um, because okay. we made sure that because we were like, hey, like you know, ESPN tried to be slick and give us like Game Five. We we're like, come on, like what if there's a sweep? Come on, I know, I know what I'm talking about. 
So mm-hmm. I think it is game one though. But anyways, so that's what we do. And then all the other clients that we work that we have, I don't work on all the other clients, but we have like clients like Ally and um, we have eBay, Daracel. Um, those are the ones that I'm familiar with. Um, but yeah, so that is essentially what I do. And I think just as a manager, you're getting more involved with pricing and planning because um, that's pretty much what I do for the most part is looking at how much things are going to cost. Forecasting is part of it too. So I think, you know, being, you know, going back to school, definitely this econ class that I'm taking um, talks about forecasting. Obviously, because, you know, economics, you, you have to you have to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, bro. So that's what it is. So I only started my first semester this spring, 2021. And then now I actually just started the summer semester. Uh, last week was the first week. So, um, and that's what it is. And I'm, it's a three-year program because I'm doing it part-time. Uh, and then the, just the fastest way you can do it is if you take classes spring, summer, fall, spring, summer, fall, spring, summer, fall. So that's that. How much of um, what you're learning or what you have learned has helped you excel in the job? And then how much has that you've learned been like you've done the job and you're just like, okay, that was completely pointless. Why did I waste my time with that? Um, if there's anything. Yeah, nothing wasted my time. Not one okay. thing. Uh, first class in the spring, I took statistics and I took accounting. And mm-hmm. the accounting class, my goodness, it couldn't have been more relevant at the time, because when I transitioned to the Mediacom, um, there were a lot of billing issues, you know, incorrect POs and whatnot, and things were getting debited to the wrong purchase order, things getting credited. It's it's a whole bunch of debits and credits that are just all over the place. And it's crazy because I'm in class learning about the balance sheet and all that stuff. Your, your debits must always equal your credits for anyone mm-hmm. that doesn't know that about accounting, but that's just, you know, accounting 101. Debits must equal credits. And if anything is off, you need to go back and look at where things off. and the fact that we were going through this issue, um, especially with, you know, things not matching back to the balance sheet, then that's a problem. So that was definitely a, uh, applicable. Um, and in statistics, you know, it just talks about, you know, we do it all the time without even thinking about it. You ask me questions about which one do you think is most likely, right? You're, that's, a, that's a statistic question without even thinking about it in, in a statistical uh, uh, mindset. So that's, it's definitely, you know, it applies to the job and everything just makes sense. So, um, but yeah, so that's what I've been doing. And um, it's, it's been, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I, really, I truly enjoyed it. I, I truly enjoyed it. It's nothing but a wonderful experience at Fordham. And um, I look forward to continuing to, to thrive. When, when I originally asked you to do this podcast and I asked you to hop on, um, one of the things I was asking you about was the show that you had going on briefly was The Sizzle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, out, yeah, yeah. So for you know, for those that don't know that are listening, like what one, what is the sizzle? Two, why did you step away from that? And then, for, and then three, prior to you stepping away, what was um your goal with it? Were you looking to build something with it, or were you just testing the waters to see, like, as a way to learn? Got you. Great, perfect questions. So let's start off with question one: What is the sizzle? Um, Sizzle is a sports podcast on Instagram, um, mm-hmm. and it's it, the idea was thought of by one of my best friends, childhood friends. His name is Nick. Uh, he also, fun fact about Nick, he went to University of Rochester, played football there, so he definitely played against Hobart. Uh, went to the games when he when Hobart was home and U of R came there and he played. So 
one of my best guys, one of my best fries, well, my best fries, one of my best friends from since 95, you know? So he, it was his idea. He hit me up one day. He was like, yo, do you want to do a sports uh, podcast? I was like, sure, why not? So that's what it is, uh, mainly about controversial sports. Um, and then two, stepping away, um, he just thought it was best for me to, you know, take some time because again, with school, um, moving out, a whole bunch of things, you know, fell on my plate. And I just didn't have time, man. It was just becoming more of a burden than something that I truly enjoyed, you know, because there was mm-hmm. days like I was excited, couldn't wait to get off work to do this, you know, to do this, uh, the, the sizzle. But it's just been, it's just been too much for me. You know, I was getting, I was feeling you know, a little inundated and I was like, yeah, I, I need to step away. And this is something that I need to prioritize. And I still support the sizzle. You know, he's still doing it. Uh, his name is Nick, but they call him the prophet. So guys, tune into the sizzle. That's all you need to type is on Instagram, the sizzle. And he's been doing it. Doing, he's been doing a phenomenal job, continuing to get guests out there talking sports. I still tune in because, you know, I'm, I'm still a fan. And even though I'm not there, that doesn't mean the sizzle is not the sizzle. So still tune in. And, um, and then the plan for it. The plan is to, you know, build a business, you know, something to continue to just give the fans um, a product, um, and that they can enjoy, you know, put something, put content out there, premium content that would help just, you know, you know, that many people can enjoy entertainment purposes. You come on there and you, we, we've had a whole bunch of actual, a lot of Hobart people. Mark's been on there. Sorry we didn't get you on there. I know you're a Bills fan, but then I think Mike Rusk, you know, he's also from Buffalo. He's a tennis player. I know you know Mike Rusk, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, well, I know yeah. Mike, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's also a diehard Bills fan. So that's where we got him on to do the show. Um, but yeah, so it's it's it was tough, you know. And I just I, I I maybe in the future, you know, we he said, you know, he he did mention that if I ever want to if I ever want to come back, you know, that that's that's a possibility. But I don't want to do so when it's convenient for me because I thought that was selfish. It's like, okay, guy, I'm ready. It's more like, okay. This is what I'm ready to do. I can see myself being consistent with it and not just doing off and on when it's convenient for me. So, um, but he still does it. Puts out a lot of great content out there. Tune in and just continue to watch the sizzle. Um, that would have been funny to have me on there because I had some prior to this last season with the Bills. I had some hot takes <laughs> that I had some hot takes with the Bills that a lot of my friends didn't did not appreciate. Um. Which we but can you, get into. You can, you can always, you can, sorry to cut you off, but you can always DM him and say, hey, like, let me get on here, like, LOL. Like, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a friendly person, right? He, like, you may not know him, obviously. I mean, not may not, you don't know him, but you can still be like, you know, I'm a friend of Keenan and, you know, I know he used to be, you don't think you mentioned I used to be on here. Just be like, hey, like, I'm just dying to come on the show. And he'd be like, yeah, we could set something up, you know, go tell him your favorite sports teams or whatever he said, clown him, whatever. Like, he would definitely give you a response. And it's, uh, that's how the, that's how the vibe is, you know? Yeah, no, I feel that. That's the same with this here. Like, I mean, I've had people hit me up um, about it, and I'm just like, about, like, you know, potentially doing an episode and shit, and I'm just like, yeah, let's go. Like, let me know when you want to do it. So, but no, one of the takes, you know, before I get back into the media stuff with you, one of the takes that I had that my friends didn't appreciate at all, which I want to hear your opinion on, was, um, I mean, you don't know, because you're not a Bills fan, nor are you from Buffalo, but Bills fans are, like, a little delusional. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but a, a delusional in the hopeful sense, meaning like we we haven't had a good QB like and I'm talking like this is I'm talking from the perspective of before the beginning of last year. So we haven't okay, had a good gotcha. QB 
We haven't had a good QB since Jim Kelly. And in terms of like someone that's going to take us to the promised land, uh, Tyrod Taylor, he was, he's all right, but at the, he, you know what I mean? Like he, he wasn't the one to do the job. So no knock against him. Cause I, I like Tyrod. Um, and a lot of our, like a lot of my friends were just like, oh, and like not even friends, but just people in Buffalo were like, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. And I'm just like, yo, can we pump the fucking brakes? The dude's like his <laughs> stats for starting QBs are like 31, 30. And then people are like, oh, well, he can run. He scores a lot of touchdowns running the ball. It's like, yeah, but he's a QB. Like, and I would always be like, yo, can we pump the brakes? Like, let him actually do something first before we crown him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then they're like, oh, well, we don't have anyone to throw to. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I agree. But at the same time, can we pump our fucking brakes on he's the next <laughs> big thing? Which, like, you can't, you can't say that in Buffalo. People get so sensitive about that, which I thought was, like, a fair thing to say. Yeah. You had you're actually one of those Buffalo fans that has um their head on their shoulders correctly. Um, I, yeah, you guys it's just delusional but very loyal. Um, you guys flirt with the Dallas Cowboys in terms of delusion. Um, you guys need to wake up to reality. Uh, Josh, well, we're Allen, nice now. We're nice. Now. Yeah, yeah. You guys have a great defense. You know, Stephon Diggs was huge for you, but you know that was your first year with that combo. Right, I believe that the first year Stephon Diggs was there. I think teams are gonna know how to play you. That's the scary thing. You know, I don't think your run game is that strong. John Brown, your other receiver is always injured, and well, I'm he, telling we, you, we got rid of him. Oh, again, I don't really pay too much of attention in football when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. But I'm just saying, do you have another big receiver? I mean, Stephon Diggs to me is more of like a, a slot guy that can cut in and get a lot of yards after carry. He's quick, but what about a big receiver that you can just throw it up there and say, hey, come give me a bucket or go get me – I don't know. I don't, I mean, uh, maybe. No, I mean, we just got – I mean, we have Cole Beasley, who's a dog. Another uh, slot receiver. Yep, and then we have – I mean, he's – I mean, he's good, but, I mean, having him as a number two will be good, but we have uh, Emmanuel Sanders and then – Oh, yeah, you uh, did pick up Emmanuel Sanders. I forgot yep, about and that. Th- and then, of course, we got that – um, we got the what's his face Gabriel Davis, who was nice for us last year. He was a rookie. Okay, I mean, I hey, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just not, you know, in tune with what the the Bills are gonna going forward are going forward for next season. But I mean, we'll see. I don't, yeah. don't doubt, don't doubt Bill Belichick. Oh hell no! I mean, I get the fuck out of here, though. We're winning. The, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. We're winning that. We're winning the I had to listen to Yo, Mark. Corbin. I had to listen to Mark Marino and Shane Hurley talk all that shit about the Patriots. And then, um, and I'm gonna put their put their ass on blast right now on the podcast. But and they say they were joking. I don't think they were joking. But we have a group text, and there'd be times where they'd be like, "Cam can't even throw the ball. I'm turning the ball. I'm turning the uh, I'm turning the game off." And that's how that's how I feel about New England fans is that they're so entitled to winning that the first sign of them losing, they don't know how to handle that shit. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, as a Giants fan, you know, it's been it's been rough, but. It's it's happy. I'm happy that we we beat New England, and people are gonna say yeah, we'll get over it. It's been you know over almost a decade now, literally a decade, and I don't care. Super Bowl is a Super Bowl, but anyways, um, don't I don't I don't doubt you know Bill Belichick. You know he probably was you know too cocky and thought he can just make do with what he with what he's had or what he had at the time, and didn't think he needed to do anything else, and just wanted to just I guess maybe show Tom Brady that look I can do this as soon as you leave. But you know reality set in. You know. Show him that, look, you need weapons. You need people to throw the ball to. So, I mean, I know you guys – I know they got Corey Davis, which I think was a good pickup. Um, we'll see with um, Mac 
what's his name? Mac from Alabama. I forgot his last name. Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Yeah, I mean, apparently there's rumors saying that he's pretty good. He's doing a great job. And but I think obviously Cam is gonna start because you know I think he right now he is the better QB. Um, but that's that. And then who else? The Jets. Uh, I don't know. Zach Wilson. No, sorry. Corey Davis went to the Jets. I don't know what I'm saying. I said something incorrect just now. But, <laughs> uh, but we'll see, though. AFC East, it, it is what it is. I'm not really too worried about that division. None of, the, none of those teams are going to the Super Bowl anyway. So you can just, um, you can mm. just, not, you can just not watch football for at least three to four years, and then you, you can, I don't know, have something to cheer about. Because Oh, don't, don't worry. Come February, I'll be talking that shit to you when the boys are in the Super Bowl. But oh anyways, God. we'll get yeah. back to <laughs> we'll get back to what we're, what I, you know, one of the things I have for you with the sizzle. So okay. you were you were doing that. And obviously, um, while you're doing that, you kind of in a way, whether you want to admit it or not, even though I know you will, it's kind of okay. like just like with this podcast, like, there's been people that have hit me up and, you know, been like, you know, I think what you're doing is great. Um, how, how did you learn to do this and stuff like that? And for people that I know well, I'll tell them, but for people, I mean, whatever, I'm saying it now anyways. But the the majority thing is like just learning, like throwing shit at a wall, seeing what sticks and then just simply trial by error. And, exactly. I, was, and I was listening to a podcast recently with um, Ryan Serhant, who is the number one real estate broker in New York City. And he had the fat Jewish on there who was one of the first like social media influencers. And he was basically saying that our generation um, has a lot of good ideas and just kids in general, because kids understand like the internet and new technology and like where the world's going and stuff with like TikTok and like all these different and various things. And he was saying that a lot of kids have some of the best ideas, but some better ideas than some like, established brands already do but the problem is is that a lot of us don't know how to execute and a lot of us don't know the actual work that it takes and that for a lot of people and he wasn't saying that in a way of like knocking us he was just basically saying that like a lot of people when they try to build something or they try to build a brand or they try to do something in media or just anything that involves the internet that one thing that he notices and sees and again he's not saying this word for word i'm just summarizing what he basically was saying um and he was saying that um, a lot of people don't know like how much it actually takes to build something and we don't know how to build something because we just try to throw shit online and just see if, where it will go from there. So with that being said and him saying that, and that's kind of like, you know, how, where I'm at with this podcast, I'm at a point where it's like, okay, I'm starting to get good traction with it, but I want to, you know, really dive deep into it and create content around it. And, but I genuinely don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So yeah. when you were when you were doing the sizzle, was there anything that, you know, you hit a brick wall on or you were learning that you were like, shit, I didn't know it was like this or I didn't know it would take this or, or like, you know, obviously you don't know what you don't know. But, you know, yeah. what what was that like with you? Um, it wasn't it wasn't more about what I didn't know. Um, I, it's funny as I mean, it's funny, but I mean, it's a surprise. It's not surprising, but. I was just able to just go in there and just do it. You know, mm -hmm. I was just able to just, you know, get on camera. Uh, my boy would give me some topics. I would give him some topics and we would choose like three. We would try to get three or four done in a day after work. And whether I knew what he was going to say, because we, we didn't know, we did not know what we were going to say beforehand. It was, everything was authentic. You know, everything was not, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't scripted. We just went in there, whatever the topic was, I would go first or he would go first. And 
oftentimes I would say at least 95 out of a hundred times we disagreed. So, um, but yeah, in terms of not knowing something, maybe strategic targeting. Uh, I know that comes with more, you know, tech savvy people. I would say that's mm-hmm. something that I didn't learn. And I, I didn't know you can really boost things on Instagram. If you, Cause if you got to think about it, our generation is, is kind of weird because we know, we know what it's like to grow up without this advanced technology. Right. I remember very vividly having to, you know, on my block, you know, go to like the next door house and, ringing the doorbell saying, hey, is so-and-so coming outside today? Like, that's how we had to communicate, is go to each other's houses and ask if they're coming outside. And then once we got, like, the Facebooks and the MySpaces, that was whatever, you know, that that was that. But then now, even when Instagram started and Snapchat, I had it, like, in high school, right, before. It's completely different than what it is now. You can use that to as for a business. You can You can start that as a business, and you can basically become an entrepreneur just with these social media um, devices or uh, platforms. So I want to say that's the biggest thing that I learned is turning it into a business. And I think I struggled with, you know, using my personal Instagram because, you know, I just do stuff like, you know, funny stuff on Instagram and I use it at my leisure, but then now having to use it consistently, keyword consistently uh, to reach people, to put out content, I think that's something, whereas that's where I think people are just like, oh, I got to do this again and again and again. And I think that's where I think a lot of people struggle with continuing to put more content. I think that's the biggest thing, in my opinion. I could be wrong. Maybe it might be, it may be different for someone else. But for me, it was just constantly being on social media. And I was just like, I don't like even being on it all the time. And I'm forced to do it. It just didn't really sit well. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I had to to learn and adjust to. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I, if I could, I mean, obviously it's a good business tool and it's cool to be able to be connected to everyone at your fingertips and stuff. But in a way, I wish it would just completely vanish and go away. Cause I think there's so many like negative down side effects to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but when you were so like when I mean, obviously, like I said, you were you stepped away from it for a little bit. But, you know, with you having that media background and you being in media and stuff like that, is there a lot of thing? Do you think that I mean, and some people do, but do you think that it's easier or harder to go into um, social media or media branding and and build it from the ground up trial by fire or do you think that you need that <clears throat> proper guidance for people to show you how to because like you said I didn't even know that you could boost stuff yeah I, to you, I think it's the second part the latter um, I think you need someone to show you uh, especially and again my opinion in today's I would say um, Again, my opinion, I think it's hypersensitive in terms of people saying things online. Again, I don't say anything online. You know, I just laugh at stuff, put funny stuff up, but I don't comment. It's crazy. You, 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 if, you if anyone wants to sit there one day and just look at some comments about anything, you'll see stuff. And then maybe because I know that the times are changing and it is what it is. And that's just you have to adapt and change to the time. But, you know, I think if you want to start off in the media uh, business, you know, how you present yourself is very important. You know, we were taught, you know, when you were younger, before the age of social media and how advanced it's become, is that there's different times you need to, you know, market yourself in a certain way. For instance, job interview, right? They taught you how to do it, how to, you know, present yourself, how to speak clearly, how to make sure you're being, you know, uh, what's what I'm looking for, how to succinctly 
get your message across, you know, big word right there. I'm, I'm happy to use it. <laughs> um, but then nowadays it's like always something that can potentially be controversial. And no mm. matter what the topic is, it's like, it's just something that, and then to me, it's just like not even waste your time because people, you know, don't even know who you are and they'll have, you know, an opinion on like what type of person you are. And uh, unless it's something that's obviously clear and cut, like something that's foul, obviously that's like, you know, no brainer, but there are a lot of things that are just, people see things differently. And I think, I don't think social media is the tool to be having conversations like that. You know, social media to me in my eyes was something that's used as like your friends, funny photos, funny videos, you know, just funny things like, you know, and maybe, you know, obviously some good looking women, but you know, nowadays, you know, a lot of girls go to DR and get a body and come back, but who knows? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> sure, I'm not, I'm not trying to get, hey, I'm not trying to get yelled at for that comment. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I, and that's just the way that I look at it, you know? So it's, again, if, if, if I was, you know, starting a social media thing, I would definitely get an expert to, to like, let me know how to address this, how to put this up. Because again, you offend somebody, you're going to, not, I'm not saying you're gonna offend somebody, but you may, and if you do, you 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 just never know. So I think it's I think off rip when you first start to have that guidance, rather than because you know some things can come back to haunt you. You know you never know. You can put something up that you didn't realize the effects of it, and then four or five years later, voila, it's you know being held against you. So that'd be very careful when you start off from the beginning. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, kind of going back to transitioning from this, kind of going back to college, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, because you hear, you hear a lot of people um, say that college, college, you know, you don't need college nowadays to be successful and stuff like that, or, you know, college in a way is kind of a waste. And I'm not going to go there with you on that conversation, but, you know, mm-hmm. kind of picking your brain on. Um, what are some things since you've been out of college that you kind of wish that school would have either taught you or um, had classes on or, you know, prepared you for the real world that you didn't have access to or the opportunity to learn until you were actually in a, a real life setting? Um, <clears throat> and that can be that can be anything from, you know, more media stuff, finance, just like overall, like anything. Well, at the t- at the time, I didn't know I was gonna be even doing, you know, at this job. I mm-hmm. so I would so I couldn't even tell you something in this field because at that time I didn't even know. So I'll be lying to you. Uh, I would say hmm, one thing because honestly, I'm not gonna lie to you. I feel like Hobart really did prepare me for the real world. You know, I I of, I agree. I agree. So, I definitely think like not bashing not bashing mm-hmm. Mercyhurst, but again, going back to that, I thought that. Hobart prepared me more for the real world than what Mercyhurst did. Yeah, so uh, one thing that I wish I had learned, maybe if I told myself to take classes that are more applicable to the real world, like I did take, I took a lot of, you know, because I did, I did political science and international relations, so there was some econ, but my mind wasn't developed and I wasn't thinking like that. I was just like taking this class because I, it was something that I had to cross off my list. I wasn't really exactly like learning. Mm-hmm. It was more of like, okay, take this class, do this, and then go out and party and have a good time. Or go to practice exactly. and party and have a good time. So I don't know. Maybe I go to college a little bit later, but then I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't go to college. So um, I don't know. It just maybe my mindset was just – if my mindset was different, you know. Um, 
I guess maybe a class that's mandatory that teaches you how to 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 take care of your money. Not saying that I'm bad with my money, but I think at that age it doesn't hurt. So like for instance, like people talk about how much they make, but then it's about how much you keep, not how much you exactly. make. So mm-hmm. um they could talk about your net income. People always talk about gross, 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 gross does not mean a damn thing. You can Absolutely. make a hundred thousand dollars gross and then you only see like 40k you don't make a hundred thousand dollars that money is going either not it's not in your bank account and or it's going to the government somehow so it's you don't see that money so you're working for 40k a year so i think maybe that's one thing um and interest because i had you know i was one of the fortunate ones that didn't have a ton of loans coming out of uh undergrad so i was able to pay it off in like two years mm-hmm. but I thought I was going to be paying back the money that I borrowed, not that plus interest. So maybe everyone knew that in in college, but again, I've never had to even, you know, maybe from my privileged background and from a financial standpoint, I didn't have to worry about, you know, finance and and anything with money. I didn't have to worry about that. So I never even thought about interest, never thought about borrowing, none of that stuff, you know? So maybe that's just me being naive and maybe that's, you know, general knowledge to to a lot of people in college but i kid you not i would be like mom i have 20 dollars in my account please help me i need to go out for the weekend (laughs) Uh, so that's that but i guess maybe a class on that since i didn't know and it'd be helpful to know at that time do you think it's crazy that um kids go to college so young in the aspect of you know, you have to, like, you, by the time you're a freshman, for some, I mean, for majority of students, not all, because obviously college hockey players are a little bit older and shit like that. But for yeah, they most come in that, at, they come in, they come in at 25. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they like, so like for know, most, it's like you graduate, I don't know, you graduate high school and you're either like 17, 18, or 19. And then you take on, if you don't get scholarships or you don't get grants and all that stuff, you take on all the student loan at 18 or 19. And you still in like, you're kind of being asked in a way to focus on something that you want to do for the next 30 to 40 years of your life. Do you think that um, one, that's crazy. And two, do you think that there needs to be um, a little bit more of a conversation on, potentially being able to identify a kid's certain skill set or helping a kid out with the economics of it. Cause I feel as though so many people are up to like, generally speaking, not everyone I know, I'm just saying like on a general basis, like so many people have such like crazy student loan debt, but then when they look back, they're like, I was 18. I didn't know what the fuck I was getting myself into. I just was like, okay, I'm gonna get a job and I'm gonna pay this back. But then nowadays the jobs don't pay what they used to with a degree. Um, so do you think there needs to be a little bit more education or a little bit more of a conversation on like, hey, like you might not be getting a, a, a scholarship for school. School is going to be costing you 50000 a year. Um, maybe, you know, do a free internship and take a year off of school before you go to college or, or something like that. What are your thoughts on that? Um, that's actually a good idea, but Schools won't do that because they need to make money. <laughs> They're not going to tell you don't come because they need the money because then if they don't get students that are paying you know, the full tuition, then teachers don't get paid. So it's going to have a, a negative uh, uh, cyclical impact on like the administration. Maybe I think that would have to be something that mentors would have to you know do maybe on their own times. Because I don't think, again, colleges are going to want to have groups or people coming and saying hey this is what you're getting you into so second guess coming to the school because schools don't want that 
Um, but to your point about maybe that's actually a good idea, you know, uh, unpaid internship for the experience, uh, taking a year off. For me, it's just that I think it's just straight through, you know, after you go to high school, then you do your four years of college. Because I think I like being around everyone my age. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was one of the younger ones. Like I graduated high school at 17. Um, so I was pretty young from when I first started college. But I think it's just everyone's young with you and you guys are all learning together. Um, and not really thinking about the future because I think the idea that you go to college just to go get a good job, I think that is dying, you know, each year. Because maybe when we were in high school, that was something that I thought of, go to college, get a good job, and pay it off. But obviously, you know, with the experience post-graduation, you know what it's really like. And I think a lot of high school people, you know, know that uh, it's becoming a little more popular among the younger generation, they know that they can, you know, not have to go straight to college right away. Um, and then basically just do something else, be a young entrepreneur, use social media to, to their benefit. Um, but I wouldn't take a year off. I, I'm, I'm a big momentum guy, which is why I told you I'm doing these, because I'm doing part-time. So I can honestly do it, you know, choose the spring, take off the summer, go back to the fall. I like to do it straight through. Right. So if I'm going to do this, I got to commit myself for three years straight through. So same thing with college. So I start one year taking a year off. It, just, it would just mess up everything. Think about it. I played sports as part of a club. Like, I just don't want to drop that and then come back to doing it. To me, I just couldn't do that. So in my opinion, I wouldn't recommend that. I would say get the four years done. And then maybe in the summertime, if, if you don't want to have a summer internship, you do that then. I mean, you can always work around it. You can do internships during school. It may suck, but. I think there's ways you can, you know, go around. Uh, you can still get the same experience without having to take any years off. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And um, are you? How many more years do you have left at Fordham? Uh, basically three. I only did one semester, so once I finish out this year, and then just two more. December anticipated December 2023. Um, so technically speaking, it should be, you know, May 2024, but because of when I started, I will finish before that. Um, but then I, I'm going to obviously going to want to walk because I'm assuming things will be fine by 2024. You never know, but uh, assuming they are, I'm going to attend that graduation. And and yeah, so that's uh, that's the anticipated graduation year. Are you, are you going to stay in the city or are you going to look to relocate outside New York? Come on, I'm a New York boy. Like, I don't think I can yeah. leave New York to the death. I think, if anything, I would move out of the city. And when I say city, that's, you know, five boroughs. But to New Yorkers, the city is just Manhattan. But for mm-hmm. those who don't live, you know, in the five boroughs, I wouldn't mind though, going out to, like, Westchester, you know, and, like, starting a nice family there. My mom's worked in Westchester for the past 27 years, so I'm always there when I go visit her. And I, I love – she works in White Plains, to be exact. Um, so I, I like that area. Um I think that's where I can start a, a nice family, get a nice house, and maybe have, you know, I want four kids, you know, I want, I want these little Keenans running around, and if the first one doesn't make it, and not good at sports, I got a second shot. The second one's not good at sports, I got a third shot, and the fourth one is not good, if all four of my kids are trash, then, hey, it, was, <laughs> then it, it wasn't meant to be, it's not meant to be. How are you just going to say it trash, like you're already putting the, the trashest version on your kids already, and yeah. they even... <laughs> Let's be realistic, John. You know if you're childish. Think about it. You play with <laughs> trash teammates, right? Yeah, I was just having this conversation the other day. I'm not – okay, I'm going to let you go. I'm fin- finish what you're saying before <laughs> I – finish what you're saying before okay. I say you what play, I'm about to you, say. 
you played with trash teammates. Those teammates that you played that were trash, those are somebody's kids. And even though the parents, because they're blinded by love, unconditional love, they would never say it. But if you had, if if they said, you know what, we're gonna not tell you who this player is and just watch the game film or watch the practice, is that person good? The parent will say no without knowing it's their son. You put their son on there, no, my kid's not trash. He just needs to improve, get better. Like they'll make up some excuse. But you know if somebody is, is trash. It's just that just again, not everyone can be elites because an elite wouldn't be a word to describe those who stand out from everyone else if everyone was the same. So no, it I is what it is. That. My mom, my mom's always, my mom's always been upfront and honest with me from day one. Like if I, if I, like um, like if I played bad, she'd be the first one to be like, "You look like shit." <laughs> no, but there was I only, I only, I only started laughing because I was just telling I forget who I was talking with saying this to the other day, but there was um, we were talking about how in some sports, like in sports in general, like at, at the youth level, like whether it's like high school, college, like in some aspect, in some way, and I know you know this, that mm-hmm. there are politics do play a role. Unfortunately. I, unfortunately, yes. And they've never played a role. Like if I didn't play, like when I didn't play my freshman year at Hobart, it was just because everyone that was in front of me was just better than me. It wasn't, mm-hmm. I had none to do with politics, but, yeah. um, but I was saying how there's some kids that, that, I, that I've played with and I'm not, I'm not trying to name names. I'm just, I'm just being real here that they went to really good high schools and because mm-hmm. they went to really good high schools, I'm sure they had really other, they had like good kids on the, on the team, but just because they went to like a name brand high school or a, a high school that was known for that sport or something, they automatically got like looks, you know what I'm, you get what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah. And, and there, again, I'm not, I'm not saying which school it was. I'm not naming names or nothing where I straight up was just like, uh, how, how, how did you get here? Yeah, but no, yeah. I know. I just, I knew you thought that was funny. I mean, I'll, anyone that listens to this is probably going to be like, go fuck yourself. But I thought yeah. I just, you know, I just thought it was funny. So I had to say that, but, um, so with, with, where do you, where do you see yourself in, in five years? Like, where do you see yourself going with this media stuff as we're, oh, you know, guy. wrapping up here? My guy, I see myself and this is very, very ambitious. But I see myself as being promoted to being an associate director. That's the okay. next level um, in this media industry. Uh, you know, you're an assistant negotiator, you're a negotiator, you're a manager, and then you become an associate director, then director. Um, uh-huh. And that's my that's my that's my goal. You know, obviously after three years of you know this MBA, you know, hopefully I would have you know connected and you know um, networked with different people and also learning a lot on the job. I'm learning a lot each day, so taking all that into consideration five years from now, I would. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to get promoted even before that. You know, after these three years of school, and then try to see, you know, what opportunities present itself. But five years from now, yes, uh, I'll be on my. I'll be in my own apartment. I would have been in my own apartment for five years, so that that would be great to be on my own. And that's really it. So nothing really too drastic. Maybe just a different job change, uh, another degree, and just continuing to learn you know get better each day every day i always tell myself get better like no matter even if you had a great day yesterday get better so i'm never you know humble i mean no, sorry never complacent always humble um but that is something that where i see myself in five years is associate director and then you'll be like oh okay keenan i see you i see you my guy um mm-hmm. but that's where that's where i plan and hopefully you never know i may be back on the sizzle who knows what the future holds 
uh, I'm I'm well established and I can be con- consistent and commit to it um, because it is like another job. It's not something that you just you know you take lightly, which is why I had to step down. Um, but that's what I see myself in five years, just me being myself and having the dopest party. By the way, too, you know me. And, I know, yeah, know, no, I know you. <laughs> you know how you know how I get down. All this. You know, social interactions or lack thereof because everything's on, you know, online. I'm going to bring back the face-to-face. I haven't, all the conversations, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen you since so-and-so. You know so-and-so. That's what it's going to be like. I'm going to invite, I'm telling you, everyone from home or everyone from back home. Like, I got people that I've, like, haven't seen in a long time. Everybody's invited. So I don't know where it's going to be, but I'm going to speak into existence. And don't worry, my guy, John, you will be invited. I can't wait to see what your hairline looks in five years. I'm, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm definitely going to do that too. So it will definitely be out there in the media, like, oh, you got the craziest party of all time because that's what will happen in five years. Mark um, my words. No, okay. Well, I was going to ask you this, and I, but then I was like, ah, I don't know because I didn't really feel like explaining it. But you said speak it into existence, and me and Mark talk about it. We have, me and Mark have private conversations about this all the time, but. Um, do you believe in, do you believe in exactly that speaking it into existence? And do you believe the, um, manifesting things into your life? Of course, of course. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in God, right? You know, I'm a Christian. So obviously I know there's, there's, there's faith to it. And I believe that God has presented you know, opportunities in my life. Not, not saying that I didn't work hard, but I just believe, you know, there's nothing that you can do without him. So that's just my personal beliefs, but speaking to existence. Yes. You know, if you're, if you're someone who constantly uh, is like going to say, I'm not going to get a job, the chances are not saying it's negative energy, but I mean, if you keep saying you're not going to get a job, then most likely you won't get that job. But if you have confidence, you are, again, you're humble and you understand, you know what you need to do. You worked hard for what you need to do. And then you just have, have the faith and believe in yourself. I believe it will be done. And a lot of these things that I'm telling you now, prime example, my own life. You know, spoke for him into existence because once I figured out it was a good school, I was like, Keenan, you're going to get in. You worked hard. I had to take the GRE. Um, and I you know, did pretty well on that. So got in and all that. So I'm happy with that. Spoke to existence about moving out. That's happening. Spoken to existence of getting, you know, promoted. That happened. So these are all positive things that I've been going through and speaking into existence and not uttering bad, you know, bad words bad 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 energy i didn't want to I, I, I truly believe in speaking things into existence um, where do you get that uh, where you know continue with what you're saying no i'm done that, yeah i'm done where do you get the confidence for that from because um no i'm not and i'm not asking you for my personal uh, the ple- pleasure i'm just asking from the aspect of there's a lot of people that will talk but don't necessarily believe in what they're saying and they're just trying to pr the, pr themselves whereas um certain people like believe it and they're just like, yo, I'm just telling you what's about to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm telling you it's going to happen. Um, so where do you, where do you personally get that uh, sense of confidence from? Honestly, myself and just seeing positivity around like who I surround myself with, you know, again, like you're doing your own thing. Like you believe it or not, like you being a young entrepreneur and having something that's yours for me, I see that and I feed off of that, whether you know it or not. I don't got to hit you up and say, yo, you're doing your thing. I know you're doing your thing, but I also see what you're doing. Same thing with even the scissor that I was doing, but then also every one of my friends, like my, my close friends, like Bridget, 
you know, Bridget Westerman, she played soccer. Natty Champ, you know, back in 2013, she went back to school to get her master's. Uh, Austin, he's in the Marine Corps. Um, who else? Um, Allie, you know, Freddie, lacrosse player and soccer player. She, you know, she uh, she got her master's back at Hobart. You know, she got the, the, I think she did the, the, the school thing where you, you stay for an extra year. And then my sisters, you know, my sister, you know, Arnell, she went to Wesleyan and she got a master's at Columbia. Amber, you know, she went to Hobart too. And then she got a master's at Emerson College. They both just graduated, you know, uh, last month. So even that, just seeing things like that, my boy, Nick, the prophet, he also got his master's in finance at U of R. So I'm seeing all these things around me that I know it can be done and I have to just work hard for it and go and get it. And a lot of the things that I've seen myself, you know, do, I have to go out and get it. No one like, is not, no one's going to hand you a cookie, right? You know, you go and take what's yours. You have your confidence. You, you know what you're talking about and you just have to believe you can do it. If not, if you don't believe in yourself, who will? That's how I look at it. You have your parents, you have your friends, but if you don't believe in yourself, who will? What is your, you know, kind of going, going, going off of this is how, where, where do you, how do I want to say this? How do you know? Um, Cause I know like I've had conversations with uh, people like friends, obviously, but like not from the sense of like, Hey, you got to do this, but just like picking, picking each other's brains and stuff hey, like sorry, that. Sorry. Sorry, I forgot to mention my guy. Big shout out to Garth. He's been he did three point five years at Albany. Yeah, architect major. He did it with Hedge. You know, everyone knows Hedge and Garth. You know, big uh, good friends. Uh, but yeah, him too. I, he did it right after he graduated. I made fun of him for it, and now look at him. He has his MBA. Sorry, his master's. Yeah, his master's in uh, architectural something. But yeah, three and a half years, and he did that. So that's also very inspiring. But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you said you roasted him for that, bro. You're roasting everyone for everything. Twenty four. I know. <laughs> but um, but no. What I was saying was, when you want something and you're trying to speak it into existence, how, where, where's the line of faith and confidence versus delusion, in your opinion? Um, delusion is like cowboy fans and Bills fans. All right, I'm gonna stop you right say- there. No, 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 no. Cowboys, Cowboys, no. Cow- you don't even put us in the same sentence. So no, we'll, just, we'll, we'll scratch I'm that. I'm I know. Uh, so the the line is drawn between like you gotta, for instance, here's an example. I said I wanted to go back to school, right? They didn't know mm-hmm. where, but I just knew I wanted to get an advanced degree. So then if I, let's just say hypothetically speaking, I'm not in school yet. And I just kept saying, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to study. I'm going to whatever, whatever. If you told me to get a piece of paper and you said, Keenan, write down the things you've been doing to uh, make it to, to get into school, getting ready for school, preparing for school. And if I can't write down anything. That's where you know it's delusion. And that's with anything that you do. People talk about starting a company. Okay. Write down the things you've been doing. Like, are you gonna raise them? How are you gonna finance it? Are you gonna get a loan? Are you gonna, like, what are you gonna do? Things like that. So I think that's, and the confidence is that that's just something that's within. Like, do you, if, you, if you're starting a business, I mean, I would hope those who are starting a business have an idea of what they're doing because at the end of the day, it's your business and you need to, you need to have the knowledge. You need to be adept at it. But in terms of the delusion, Write a piece. Anyone, ask anyone. Write a piece of paper. Get a get a piece. Get a piece of paper, and write down what have you been doing to attain that goal. And if you can't write anything down, then that's how you know you're just dreaming and it's all make believe. And that's 
that's where I think you can draw the line if you can actually prove it, not just say it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, and you know, kind of ending this podcast, I have um, three questions for you. One of them you already know because I already told you about it prior to, but the other two I um, I've heard on another podcast, and I'm like, oh, okay, I want to ask it now. Um, what is the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? And what is the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? And then I'll ask you the last question to end it. Damn, the worst piece of advice. Honestly, I don't really... Whether, whether, whether you seeked it out, or you read it, you heard it, or you heard uh, s- someone else be like, hey, this person told me this. Um... I'm not gonna lie to you, Antonio. If I can't remember the the advice, that means it was bad and it just probably went in my end out the other. So I I don't really remember it. I can't really think of it. So uh-huh. sorry I couldn't give you, you know, any a concrete example or something to my experience. But best advice that I've it, it was um what's his name told me? It was it was Kobe Bryant. And he's my only real model. I kid you not. I love my dad. Don't get me wrong. I love my dad. But Kobe Bryant is honestly the only person that I look up to. The only one. I don't care. And me. Yeah, and you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and he said something about adversity. And he said that he just loves adversity because it gives him the opportunity for him to rise and to prove himself over and over and over again. And for me, that's how I look at it. When I don't get a job, like, think about it. Everyone has applied. Maybe some people got lucky and had to apply to one or two jobs. But, you know, I think it's safe to assume that many people to over 10 to 50 jobs. To, to, and you, that's just how the market is sometimes. And I've applied to a plethora of jobs, did not hear back. And anytime I got rejected or didn't hear back, I just said, oh, they, don't, they, don't, they are missing out on the next best thing for them. I always looked at it as, like, it's their loss. It's never my loss, no matter what it is. I don't care. It's never my loss. And maybe some people may say, Keen, you're, you're bugging for thinking that way, but that's how I think. The uh, company isn't... The, the yeah. No, 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 continue, continue. No, continue. Yeah, a company doesn't hire me. That is their loss. No matter what, no matter how you want to look at it, I don't care if it's for Goldman Sachs or some... It's their loss. You don't hire me because I know what type of work I am and I know my value and what I bring to my company now. And especially on the account that I am, I've I've seen the changes and I've seen the positivity and the feedback that I've gotten, and I know how I am and I know the real me. So that's that's the advice that I'll give anyone. Nobody hires you; that's their loss. On to the next, and you keep going because someone will recognize your skills and your talents and will take a chance on you, and it's on you to take advantage of that opportunity. So I thought I thought you were done talking. That's the only reason I started talking. So that's my bad. But um, I want to hold you there for a second before I ask the last question, because I have said that, that I say that all the time, that if that nothing, nothing's working against me, everything's working for me. Um, and I've had a couple of people like when I've said that to, they're just like, well, that's cocky and arrogant to say, why, why do you think that way? What is your response to that? Cocky and arrogant uh, to those people. They are probably just jealous because they thought they probably feel butthurt that they didn't get the position. And then therefore they just blame themselves and say, what, 
like what do I need to do? Like, don't get me wrong. You always need to get better. No one's perfect. Like, so I'm not in any way insinuating that at all. Like, you need to always get better. Even when you get the job, look to get better. But I think the idea that you know what you bring, right? And if you and if you apply to a job, you have to you have to have some sort of confidence in yourself that you can get the job done based on the requirements, based on the responsibilities. You believe that you can fulfill that role, whether it's a long shot, whether whatever it is, you believe you can do it, which is why you apply. And if someone doesn't hire me because they told somebody else, that's the same thing as like a company saying, okay, these are these two stocks. I can invest in this one or I can, or sorry, these are these two companies. I can buy stock in this company or buy stock in that company. At the end of the day, companies are, when they hire you, that's them investing essentially in their own business because you're hiring employees that are going to make you more money at the end of the day. So if they chose a different, uh, different company to invest in, then that's that's it. They that's they missed out on the opportunity to invest in me. So that's why I say it's their loss because I'm I'm of the mindset that I will always bring value. That's how I look at myself. I don't care. I'm always gonna bring value to any organization. And if people want to say that is cocky, then that's on them. I, I that that maybe it's it's subjective. I can't tell you how to feel, how to think, but that's how I look at it. Of course, yeah, and I just wanted to see what your opinion was on it because when I heard that, and when I heard that, it wasn't geared towards me. It was just like the the the, the couple people that have said that. It was more so of like they they were more so thinking like, where do you like what what makes you say that? You know what I mean? Um, but what I makes like you I say that. Yeah, <laughs> but I also think, but yeah. you laugh, but I also think yeah. that a lot of people. Um, get their sense of self-worth and self-gratification from others. That's the problem. Yes, I agree. And that's why they think it's cocky because there's someone else doesn't value you and you have the audacity to be like, well, I don't care if you don't value me. That's your loss. Therefore, okay, I'm on to the next. To me, I can't even think how that's even cocky. You didn't even get the job. How is that cocky? You didn't get the job. No, I uh, listen, 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 listen. We live in a day and age where what you see on social media is the is perceived as like the fact in reality, which you know it's not. So it's like yeah. it, it's understandable as to why. Um, which real quick before I ask that last question, I texted Darden. <laughs> I said yeah. uh, I'm recording with Keenan right Keenan right now, and he goes, "Mark looks like the roach from Men in Black," and he goes, <laughs> he goes LMFAL with all these exclamation points, and he just goes, "Man, <laughs> come on, Mark already knows. He knows I'll roast him. He knows what it is." Oh, you know, I come out. Of, I come out of retirement. I'll come out of retirement just for him. <laughs> just for him. All right. Well, last question I have for you before we uh, wrap this up: If mm-hmm. you can, if you could meet your younger self today, if you met eighteen-year-old Kean today, um, and you could talk to him about the ups and downs in life and something to carry with him moving forward in life, what would those two things be? Um, 18 year old Keenan before going to college, I would say get ready for a bumpy ride, you know, because in high school, maybe some people do face a lot of adversity, but I, I couldn't tell you about the adversity that I really faced. And like, and it's like, honestly, that's just me being honest with you, but going to college and I would say maybe just not playing as much, I think was the biggest thing because everyone wants to play. Right. But then, uh-huh. In terms of, but that's that's where I was able to. That's that's where I learned my adversity throughout those years of not playing and other things too, like not just basketball, but other things as well, which 
have prepared me for where I'm at today. And that's why I look at, that's why I look at things the way I look at them, not because I'm just a cocky person, but because I know I've been rejected many times. And if you dwell on them, it will get at you and you'll continue to think you're a failure. And that's the biggest thing is that when you get rejected, don't think you're a failure. And that's where I think, that's why I think the way I think. So that's what I would tell my 18 year old self is just, I wouldn't give him all the secrets, all the keys, cause I would want him to learn still, but I would just say, mm-hmm. just get ready for adversity, get ready for a bumpy ride. And just know that it's not going to all be, you know, sunny and everything on the other side, just get ready for it. And um, that's what I would say. And what would you tell 18 year old Keenan to take with him moving forward in life? I would say just confidence, something that's instilled, something that can't be taken from you unless you give it away. Confidence, 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 confidence. And just that's that. I mean, there's nothing else that I, yeah, I would say confidence and just don't be afraid, you know, go out there and just give it your all 110% every single time. And I know I said that was the last question, but one more question in regards to I love that. the questions. Antonio. No, I, I know. Questions. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, so like you said, like you're going to face a lot of rejection. You're going to face a lot of failures, adversity. Don't dwell on it. Obviously, human nature, we all do. And then even if we don't admit it, there's times where we're like, fuck. And we, we there is no light at the end of the tunnel. And we're like, what the fuck do we do? Um how do you, with yourself, anytime that you've been in that type of situation, have you been able to be like, all right, it's cool. I'm going to get it. I'm going to figure it out. Like what? Because everyone's different. So like with you, how do you get yourself back on track with uh, bouncing back from rejection rejection, and uh, the confidence? Um, I look at the feedback that I was given, you know, this, hey, we didn't hire you for this. Or the companies that obviously just say we move forward with a better candidate than I don't really know how to go off of that, but let's just speak to my promotion, right? The first time I tried to get promoted to a negotiator and it was just saying, hey, like we thought you can, you know, work on this, just, you know, work on, I guess, using, I don't know, uh, terminology better, something along those lines. So I was like, okay, sure, Keenan, if that's what you need to do to get better, then do it. And then also I just replayed over and over my head. I have a great memory. So I remember how I interviewed and, I tried to rewatch the interview in my head or replay it, but then not from my perspective. And I can be like, okay, this is why or how I can see someone else interpreting it differently. Trying to like, you know, again, just looking at ways to improve. So on the next interview, I'll say, okay, I won't do this this time. Not knowing if that's the reason why I didn't get the job because I don't know, but I tried to minimize or reduce any type of, you know, misconceived, um, I don't know, statements that I want more things that I've said. And I don't want to make, okay, that's a little gray. I keep it black and white. I make sure I prepare, I say exactly what I need, uh, you know, make sure it's uh, concise, clear. And um, that's that. So um, that's that's how I really go about it. So uh, I'm trying to think. And also talk to my family. You know, I'm not just in my room just sitting and saying, Keenan, like, what are you doing? Like, talk to my family, you know, talk to my mom, my sister, my dad, friends. And, you know, obviously you can't do it all by yourself. So, you know, just talk about handling rejection and just saying that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, am I not good enough? And then the second I say something like that, you're like, stop, what are you doing? And then they, they whip me back into, to, into shape. So that's how I usually handle it. For sure. I love it all. Well, hey, my guy, I appreciate you doing this. I know you, uh, you're busy 
these days with all you got going on, school and all that shit, and watching your fucking Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> come on, I'm a Nets. Oh, come on, I'm not a Nets fan. I'm a diehard Nets fan. You, you know this. I know that. Gonna... I just okay. I slid that in there just to see what you'd say. Stop it. Come on. Like, the Nets, hey, I, I am from Brooklyn. Don't get me wrong. I, I go to a lot of Nets games because, you know, it is what it is. But I will never, ever, ever, ever abandon my Los Angeles Lakers, no matter what it is. Um... But yeah, so speaking of homework, I'm going to do homework after this, which is sad. Uh, so I'm going to have to do that. And then, yeah. But again, my guy, Antonio, I really appreciate you inviting me. Oh, I know you supposed to do this for a while ago. like, But, you know, some things happened. And, but I'm glad we were able to make it happen. You know, sometimes you got to just stop saying, like, don't make excuses. Just get it done. Execute. Plan, execute. Simple as that. Yes, sir. So, I mean, once I get, like I said, I'm just doing this off a, a free app, but once I get um, more mics and shit like that, we'll, uh, I was telling Darwin, we'll get, we'll get it going, uh, like with video and shit like that. And then we'll have, uh, we'll start having like joint because it's kind of hard to just do it via like a phone call, like how we're doing it right now. Um, yeah. Because people will be talking over each other left and right, but doing face to face with mics and shit like that, that would be funny. Let me ask you a question. In five years, do you see yourself having some type of small studio where, like, you know, you have those mics that, like, you know, have you seen The Breakfast Club? Yes. You know the Breakfast I watch Club? all those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can look at The Breakfast or even, what's his name? Is his name Joe Reagan? Something like that. Joe, <laughs> Joe Reagan. What's his uh, name? Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan. <laughs> I, was, like, I was close. I was close. I'm not. I'm not in the. I'm not big on the podcast. Well, you know that. But I, I got his person, somewhat of his last name, right? But yeah, just like you, uh, you said, like a small table, and you have like those type of mics that you guys can talk to each other. Like I think that would be dope if you have something like that. Maybe for you, that should be your goal in the next, you know, five years or so. Have something like that where you can invite people in. I think when people see faces when they talk, I think it helps them be able to like you know, connect, and it's easier to to, to follow because they they got to see my face when I'm talking to you. So it would just be dying laughing, you know. So that I feel like that. Oh, I already, be... I already, I already told him. I already know that the the episode we do where it's me, you, and Mark. I'm not. It's I'm not even gonna be really talking that much. I'm gonna be laughing the entire time. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, no, that's definitely that's definitely in the plans. There's a lot more that's in the plans, but I'm not trying to share it on the podcast. We can talk about it outside of this. But gotcha, uh, gotcha. but yeah, you know you know how it goes. You can't reveal everything. Okay, okay, my bad, my bad. I, know, I should have <laughs> assumed you're doing the right thing. That's my bad. I, no, I no, 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 no. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like that. I'm just saying with like that. That's definitely something that um I want to have within the next five years for sure. Um, but on top of other things with like real estate and then just other business ideas I have. Um, that that's definitely it's in the cards for the next five years. I'll I'll say what the next five years are going to be going to be looking good. Got you. I hear that. So, but, but all right, I'll let you get back to your, uh, your multiplication tables. (laughs) (laughs) This guy is telling me to cry, bro. All right, bro. Well, I'll talk talk to you. you, I appreciate it. All right, I'll see you. All right, my guy. Talk soon, all right?